0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
1: Hello, once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Welland. I'm joined this week by Gage Bridgeford and Matt Fralick as we continue our series bringing down the NFL draft in a couple of weeks and. Guys, last couple weeks we talked about individual prospects. Today we get a position group, and I know, Matt, you're excited. We get to talk about running backs today.
0: I'm jacked. I'm super pumped. I'm glad to have Gage back. He's got his 2020-plus vision, and I know Gage is a huge fan of running backs, and I can tell just from talking to both of you in this little pre-production here that a lot of names are going to be flying off the board, probably a few that I don't even know of, but um, running backs are so fun to talk about because... No matter what school you're from, no matter what you did you know, in high school or whatever, if you were somewhat productive in college, you probably have a damn good chance of at least making special teams or a third down back. But I'm excited to dive in and just the, uh, I guess the the episode is ours to discuss. We don't have three uh, position or three players to talk about, like you mentioned.
2: Yeah, I'm, uh, I do, I, I like running backs a little bit, but after Green Bay paid Aaron Jones and drafted AJ Dillon in the second round and then let Jabal Williams walk, if they draft uh, Any running backs early, I'm going to have to question my fandom a little bit.
1: Yeah, we talked about that a little bit earlier. We may have some clips that we can put on social media later. Uh, that's going to be up to Matt to make the decision on that one for a gauge. But either way, there are some really, really ext- a strong running backs in this class. It'll be very interesting to see not only what the Packers do, but what, what other teams do with these running backs because there are some some good all-around backs and some, and for some reason, I did not know North Carolina had such a good offense. But there's there's some good backs from the Tar Heels that'll be popping, popping off the board most likely on Friday. And maybe fairly close to each other, which we'll talk about a little bit going forward.
0: Definitely. Yeah, the, the, the UNC running backs to me, man, like... I mentioned this last week with you, uh, Mike, when we were talking about the linebackers. Um, Jabril Cox is a guy that I watched quite a bit. And, like, these running backs for UNC, I saw a couple of UNC games this year, and I'm like, dude, these guys are incredible. And, like, you said, like, Sam Hollow leading that offense for the, the quarterback spot, like, that offense was so smooth. And to have those running backs that we're going to talk here, they're, they're studs. Um, one of them I like a little bit more. I don't know what Gage's preference is on the UNC backs, but. I love the running backs out of uh, a UNC and very rare to see two running backs come out of the school at the same time, especially at a UNC. Very, very off brand.
2: Yeah, uh, I am a fan of both players. Uh, Javante Williams, the junior, is my is my is the player that I would prefer. I would say um, for a couple of reasons, one being he's younger. um, He's a junior versus Michael Carter, who's the other running back that we are talking about as a senior. Um, I also like Javante Williams measurables more. He's 5'8 or he's 5'10, 220 versus Michael Carter, who's 5'8, 202. Michael Carter's real short, dense guy. Like he's he the young man is very well fed for how for his height. Uh, but just Williams is my preference. I think that he runs mean. Uh, he's he's not going to be a Green Bay pick because like I said, Green Bay shouldn't be drafting a running back early, and we know that they're not going to. The main reason I think the main reason you guys have to love these UNC backs though this year is unlike let's say a Travis Etienne out of Clemson, they don't have nearly the wear and tear on their tires because they like they were splitting carries at in school. Like let's see, it looks like 166, 157 plus 25. Neither like Williams or Carter ever had a major workload compared to Travis Etienne. I'm pretty sure had more touches this year than either one of those guys ever had in a single season. So that's just running backs. They're tired. Like we obviously know they're like, even once they hit the end of their first contract, they're probably done first, but these guys won't have that same issue.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And like, that's, That's something good to note, especially with ETN. Like, I love Travis ETN. Um, I think he was kind of screwed over by it being a COVID year, and he went back to school. But he did work on his game, worked on his his pass catching, which was great. And you like to see a guy that, you know – College only happens once. Stick it out. Play for Clemson again. Play with your buddy Trevor Lawrence and work on your game. That's that's what it is to get into the league. However, like you mentioned, Gage, great point. Like The wear and tear. Um, running backs are a disposable commodity in the NFL. We saw the Packers have treated it as such in the last maybe five, six years. And every team has taken on that, that bell cow. There's no bell cow anymore. It's two running backs at least. Um, no one's a single backfield really anymore. And you know, Michael Carter and Javante Williams, side by side, I like them both. Um, I love Travis Etienne, as I mentioned. There's a couple of guys I like. Personally, I think Mike and I are in the same camp as we like Michael Carter a little bit more, based off of what we were talking a little bit earlier. I could be convinced Javante Williams is a better player. Even comparing the the RAS, which, you know, I like to put some weight in. I know uh, Gudikins likes to put a, a, an ass load of uh, weight on it. Javante Williams is an 8.8. Uh, Michael Carter, 6.24. Like, that's... That's quite a disparity and definitely doesn't fall into the threshold of where the front offense values it.
1: For for sure, and when you look at the RAS with those two guys, the thing that hurts Carter the most is his size. He went in at just about five seven and a half, two oh one, ten 10 10-yard split was born, and he ran a 4'5". Williams ran the same speed at five nine two twelve, and he put up ten more reps on bench. Like that's that's the big difference, and plus another a year a year younger. Uh, I, th- I think Williams probably end up being the better prospect, the better all around running back as the as their careers go on. But when they're both consensus top five running backs, that's a big feat for again a school like North Carolina where usually you don't talk football and when you do it's usually to laugh at Mitchell Trubisky
2: (laughs) very true very very true also I did a quick google or I did a quick check on something Travis Etienne's last three seasons he has at least 200 touches in all three seasons neither Michael Carter nor Javante Williams ever had more than 200 touches in a season so like just back to my wear and tear thing these guys don't these guys are coming in a lot more Fresh. That's not to say that they're going to have better careers or beat better pros than ETN. It's just acknowledging the fact that these guys don't have nearly the mileage on them that uh, the guy, the both guys at the top of the class. With Najee Harris is my RB1, and he's got a lot of miles on his tires. He went back, and and he made the right decision. He was going to be outside, probably outside the top five running backs last year in the in last year's class. He went back, and he is clearly. He's RB1 for me and for a lot of people. I know that he's RB two for some people behind ETN. Some people have him RB three with Javante Williams being above him or even RB1 in certain cases. But mm-hmm. Najee Harris just the mileage that these guys have racked up, he had 294 touches this season. That's a lot for mm-hmm. a college for a college back, that's a, it's a lot of touches. He still doesn't have a ton because he only because he his first two years he did not have nearly the same workload. But he is coming in with a lot of touches, but it doesn't really matter. When you're 6'2", 230, and just chiseled out like Najee is, you can generally deal with that. But it's something that I'm sure NFL teams will be factoring in. Do you think Green, there's a shot Green Bay takes any of these top four or five guys? Let's throw Kenny Gainwell out of Memphis in there. Kenny Gainwell, also for those of you Pac fans out there, you need that's a name you need to go, go watch a little bit. Even if he doesn't end up in Green Bay, he's just a fun player to watch.
0: I, no, I mean the easy answer is no, right? If you're, if I have to pick. Well, I so. mean,
2: I, I mean, if last year would you have said the Green Bay was going to draft AJ Dillon in the second round?
0: Well, that's the next thing. It's like, dude, I I've said this time and time again. I think I said this when we were breaking down uh, the receivers. Like, I went into the draft with my expectations being very very low, trust in the process, whatever jargon you want to use, and I was not prepared for anything that happened last year. Not a not a damn thing, and. So this year I'm even more like, okay, like we got to even dial it in back more, Matt, like be more logical, be less emotional. So could they draft a running back in the top couple picks? Yeah. But like, I just don't, I don't see that as a possibility. Now, I guess a lot of it has to do with what they think they have in AJ Dillon. I think they value him quite a bit. Um, A lot of it has to do what they think they can still get at Aaron Jones. I think he's got a lot of tread left on his tires, a lot of juice for that squeeze, but having another running back at your disposal isn't a bad option. They've really, for the many, many years, tried to have three running backs in that backfield. Um, obviously, they, they shot their shot with Dexter Williams, which is an absolute flop. Jamal Williams is no longer. I mean, there's there's they're going to need to draft a running back. It's just a matter of if they assess other needs on either side of the ball before they do that. But again, just because the running back might be lower on my list, then, you know maybe offensive lineman inside linebacker cornerback etc doesn't mean the Packers don't value that position higher than I do where I see we already got a spot there we have clearing holes elsewhere so I are they going to draft a running back in the first two rounds gauge no I don't think so but I would not be shocked and there is some decent value as we get further into this this draft class that they might surprise us
1: yeah I'm with you I think if they were to look at one of these top guys it might be a guy like Gainwell Again, young, redshirt sophomore. Could be maybe seen late third, fourth round type of value. If, if some of those guys dropped. Or a guy like Chuba Hubbard. A guys like uh, Javian Hawkins, another one to look at as well. Because they're going to want a guy to replace that swerve Irvin role. Matt LeFleur likes to have that, that third jitterbug type running back who can move around. Be versatile. Move to the slot. And go in motion. And... Aaron Jones has done that. He can be that guy. A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor are not going to be those guys. Those guys are going to be downhill, run you over type players. So they're going to look for that versatile type of guy. Jared Patterson's another one who could be who could look in that role on day three. So I think they'll probably take one day three, but I don't think any earlier than Saturday we'll see a running back come off the board.
0: Dang, we're, we're how early do you, I see? I I'm a little. I think a day two running back could be selected, possibly. Um, Gage, where are your thoughts?
2: I don't think Green Bay should take a running back on day one or day two. I agree. Um, and I and I think the thing that messes people up is so there's only three rounds in days one and day two. Obviously, mm-hmm. day three is rounds four, five, six, and seven. Maybe if you didn't have teams taking 15 minutes on the clock for round one, when everyone knows you're taking like the first overall pick in Trevor Lawrence, but that wouldn't happen. But that's how that's it's all about keeping everybody on TV as much as possible but I think the Green Bay won't take one in the first three rounds especially after you pay Aaron Jones I think that there's just too much there's too many other positions that they need to address in those top 100 picks that there's no there's almost I don't want to say no way because if you had told me a year ago hey what's the percentage chance Green Bay drafts a- or AJ Dillon in the second round I would have said below zero negative 12% chance and I would have been wrong so But I think that there's some guys in – since this isn't a super strong running back class, I think that there's some guys in day three is where they're – where Green Bay knows, hey, we can wait, and we can can wait on this position, and we can still get a good player because there's good – guys that are good to take on day three. Like wide receivers, the sweet spot is day two, and – that doesn't always happen. Usually, like, there's the, oh, who's the guy on day three that you're looking to target a wide receiver this year? No, it's who's the guy that you're looking to target at the end of the third round? Because there's a lot of guys that are going to fall because just because of, like, Seth Williams is a guy that I think in a lot of classes is probably going to be much, like, he's going to be ranked a lot higher, but he's not in this class just because there's so many other talented wideouts in this group. So I think the running back is the position Green Bay knows they need to add another body, but they're going to wait on it until I'd say probably the fifth round is when I expect them to draft a running back.
0: like that. That's good. That's, that's sound, sound realism, but you know, we'll, we'll wait and see, but I think there, like you said, there's great value throughout this running back class quite a bit.
1: For sure. And so here's a couple names I'm going to throw at you guys. I want you to see what your thoughts are. And this is based on my composite board that I made also from the RAS database. First one, Chris Evans out of Michigan. He had a 9.85 RAS. That's the second highest so far, and the highest of the ones that I have up on my board. His average value from my nine composites is pick 181. Retro senior, 5.11, 2.16. What do you guys think of, of Evans? Ran a 4.52, five one 10 yard split. Great acceleration that could be a guy who's got that explosive ability they could
0: bring in in day three. See, I'm not a... a to be honest, I don't know a ton about Chris Evans. I saw a couple Wolverines games this year. Um, you know, he he definitely flashed a little bit for me, flashed less than some other guys we've already talked about, but the burst is huge, like you mentioned. I didn't definitely know his split time, but that's that's big. Like, you want a guy that can get through the back or get through the line of scrimmage, get to the second level, and that's that's really the biggest skill gap when we talk about transitioning to college and the NFL obviously this is repeated time and time again especially on this time of the year the speed is the biggest differentiator um, and if you're not able to run away from people you're going to have issues now going back on this I, I'm looking at his attempts and maybe I'll look to you guys to maybe point me in the right direction or correct me but very very low attempts for chris evans when he ran the ball um i mean did he was he injured quite a bit did they just not utilize him am i missing something when we're going through the uh chris evans
1: it's hard any jim harbaugh offense to figure it out because they they, and they've had they've always had deep running back classes they've had they've had running backs go
2: the last few years Like, this year it was Hassan Haskins, who, like, was the lead guy. He was the lead guy the last two years. Um, Quick thing about uh, Chris Evans. For those of you that don't know what Mock Draftable is, go familiarize yourself with it. It's a pretty fun website. Uh, Two of the top three uh, comps athletically for Chris Evans are Dexter Williams and Aaron Jones. (laughs) <laughs> they have like their similarity scores are 75.7% for Dexter Williams and Aaron Jones is a 75.1%. They are the two, like second and third most like common comparisons athletically. His other comps uh some names that people might know. Travis Homer, uh, Chris Carson, uh, Kenny Dixon, David Johnson, Justice Hill. So basically like all these guys that played for uh, Baltimore and then Seattle. Um, but yeah, so his 10 yard split is great at, I love the fact that it's a 1.51. That's uh, that's in the 87th percentile. That's awesome. But he lacks the top end juice, which is a problem. Like, and I and I say that like he ran 4.52. That's that's good, but like Green Bay needs. I think, in my opinion, you, you would want to add a running back who isn't necessarily just a like a like he's a quick burst guy, but then he slows down. That's like that's why he's so similarly comp to Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is he's like a Home run weapon, but think about it. Aaron Jones doesn't necessarily just run away from guys. When Aaron Jones gets out of the open field, I do, I don't expect him to not get caught. I expect him to get caught just because that's not his thing. That's not how he wins. He doesn't win by hitting the home run ball. He's not Jonathan Taylor. He's not Chuba Hubbard in this class. He's not that guy. That's what, I mean, that's so that's what Chris Evans does for you here. I don't mind Chris Evans. I think that if you just want to say, hey, we're going to have another guy that is Aaron Jones in case Aaron Jones gets hurt. Sure. Chris Evans makes some sense, but if I was building out this draft room, I, or if I was building out this running back room, I would try to find the guy that isn't just a clone of what we already have.
0: Two items with Chris
2: Evans. One, that
0: uh, side-by-side analysis is might be the best piece of uh, info that we've had in our three draft class uh, discussions right now, Gage, like comparing them to two guys that they've already drafted and valued is incredible. Now, Am I a big Dexter Williams fan? No, I hated Dexter Williams, to be honest. I never saw his attention to detail. I thought he lacked um, accountability, didn't really dive in the playbook a lot. Love Aaron Jones. So maybe they value him quite a bit based off of where they project certain players. Also, Chris Evans, just even more reiterate what you're saying on the home run threat, 4-5-2-40. Like, that's not, that's not runaway speed in the league. Like, we saw the combine numbers this year, excuse me, the pro day numbers this year, of 40 times like if you're not below 4-4 four, four, you're really not getting that buzz and it just keeps increasing where that number needs to be to be a home run threat um I, so you know chuba hubbard's a guy i like I, you you talked about him and i i think he was a guy that kind of just like with etn like etn did he benefit did he you know did he get kind of screwed over with the covid year possibly chuba hubbard is i think the one in this draft class that kind of did he his buzz was really really high and kind of just lost that that gumption if you will coming into this year and i just don't i think there's just so many running backs that he gets kind of lost in this um but chuba hubbard's a guy that i would not be upset if the packers drafted i i personally think they really did to get it running back they didn't do it in the offseason shockingly um i don't know who it's gonna be i just know there's a ton of guys on this board that i'll be super happy with
1: yeah a couple guys so yeah let's quick talk about chuba hubbard a little bit his yeah very few prospects had their stock take a hit like his did this past season. I mean he was they're talking about him being a Heisman finalist going into this last year. <laughs> but again, he had a lot of carries a couple years ago. He had a lot of wear and tear, which was the knock on Jonathan Taylor when he came into the draft last year. He turned out pretty well. So Hubbard could be that guy, could be some value. But again, you look at four five speed at six foot two ten. Didn't show great agility scores. I don't know what his mock draftable uh, comparisons are. He had an 844 RAS, so the value could be there, but again, there could be a there's still a lot of tread on those. There's a lot of wear and tear on, on him from mm-hmm. the, the last couple of seasons.
2: He Absolutely. has a 90.1% comparable to Jeremy Langford from Michigan State. Yeesh. And these and again, these are like these guys coming out of college, they're not necessarily them as the as NFL players, but yeah, his his spider chart isn't great. The main issue that I have with Chuba, like the the home run, so yeah, he ran a four five one. I don't really care because I know that he is a guy that doesn't necessarily have testing speed. He has, but he's got track speed. The kid's a track star. Like he's he he's got legit wheels. So like I take a grain of salt with the whole four five one measurement here because I can see on tape that he is fast, but. Hubbard doesn't make a lot of sense for Green Bay just from the standpoint of how he plays. He's a type that he needs you to, like, clear a giant – give him a running lane and then let him go. Like, he like clear him for takeoff and then let him go because once he gets to the open field, you're not going to catch him. He just doesn't have great contact balance. He's going to just, like, get – he he goes down relatively easy and I don't know if that's a, just the way he was running I don't know if that's just he doesn't have contact balance or what it is. He had a good RAS score, 844, uh was in the top 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8. I think it was 10th at the position uh, among running backs, so that's good. So he like he is a better athlete than other guys in the class, but he but he's not a flawless player I think just he doesn't fit well in Green Bay if you now granted if you're taking him in the sixth round I think that fit can be ignored and you're just taking talent like if you're taking mm-hmm. him on d- late day three like five six seven round, like round five six or seven that makes sense but I like Hubbard just I think is going to be an interesting style fit in the NFL because the teams that need a running back that plays the way he does don't need a running back because it's you have Tennessee and they have Derrick Henry you have Baltimore could use him, but they just drafted J.K. Dobbins last year. They already have Gus Edwards and Justice Hill in the building. So I like Hubbard, the player. I think that I think this last year was kind of kinda weird for him from the standpoint of you had the instance with Mike Gundy in the offseason. He split touches with him more than we had really seen in recent years. And I don't know if that was to kind of preserve the wear and tear on the tires, Matt. Like you talked about you're like, huh? That's it's, he's got a, he's got a lot of tread that he's worn off those oh, off those tires. Was that mm-hmm. them trying to preserve him this year? Was that just how he was trying to play? I don't know. I don't. I, it's going to be a weird fit. But like I said, the later it the later the guys you're drafting, I care less about fit and I care more about just the talent of a player. It's like I said beforehand. If you draft Najee Harris before like any, in the first round, I'm I'm gonna question being a Packer fan anymore. But if you draft Najee Harrison is the seventh round for whatever for whatever reason who cares about the player and like if you need him it's he's a talented player so if you're drafting Chuba really late in the draft I don't really care about the fit so much as I just know that I'm getting a good football player and I got him for a value like at a at a great value to myself
0: mm-hmm. yeah the value is just enormous for Chuba Chuba Hubbard like I like you said, like he was, or, or excuse me, Mike said, like he was in the Heisman race. Like that's unbelievable. Um, coming out of 2019, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, unanimous All-American, first-team All-Big 12. Like the list goes on and on and on for the accolades. And then it just kind of was an issue. I don't know what the issue was. Just as you mentioned, Gage, if it was issue with Mike Gundy, um, other players on the team, but. You know, whatever the case is, this is the reality of the situation. Someone's going to get good value with Hubbard. There's no doubt about it. Um, top 10 RAS, like you mentioned, I think Hubbard's a stud um, and he contribute to an offense right away as a third down back, possibly a spell guy or wherever they they find necessary. The tread, you know, we talk about that. It, I don't know how I mean, I, I think it's a concern time and time again, but I don't know. I, I would love to know if there's some actual data out there off of you know, certain amount of attempts that makes a guy's production lower. I think if you're a, a running back and you have some durability issues, I see that. But I, from what I've gathered, not a lot of durability issues with Hubbard. And for me, like, until I find that data, if there's actually any equation for that, I love Hubbard. I think he'd be a great pick for the Packers or any team.
1: Yeah, I think there is good value with Hubbard. But there's another couple guys I want to bring up that mm-hmm. are almost certain to be day three guys. And the first one, you talk about home run speed. Elijah Mitchell of Louisiana. You want to talk about can fly. Again, 40 times, not NLBL, but 435 at 201 pounds, 5'10", 151 10-yard split. 10, 10, 10 feet 8-inch uh, broad jump. That is explosion. If, he's got, if he can have the vision, have the patience, is there value there?
0: Absolutely. Like, I mean, granted, we talk about playing against weaker competition, playing the Sun Belt, not the best. However, he played against who he had to play with. He only played in eight games. He had an injury this year, but he almost ran for 2,000 yards and he had 28 touchdowns. Like, that's unbelievable. Excuse me, I'm reading high school. Well, high school stats are still great, too. But honestly, like, when it comes to Mitchell, like, he's speedy. I think he would fit into the role of what, like, Mike mentioned earlier about um like the, that Swervin Irvin-type role. Uh, Elijah Mitchell's a guy to me that you know he's he's solid. You're gonna get some production from him, and I I could see him slipping down draft boards just because of where he played. But um, what are your thoughts on uh, Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana Gage?
2: Oh, like you said, explosive player. And all and real quick. So I I heard the uh, the Sunbelt slander there, and I just a little bit. I just I just wanted to like help out my guy Elijah Mitchell real quick. The the kid's a talented player, and I don't care about the Sun Belt. He so they beat Iowa State to open the year, and that was on the road. Beat them 31-14. Uh, you had the game against Coastal Carolina where they lost 27-30. So yeah, mm. they lost there, but Coastal Carolina ended up being like a top like what hell, top 15 team or something. Hell of like that? a team, absolutely. Yeah. They beat UAB, who was a good team all year. Uh, they went and they beat App State on the road and then there was the coastal carolina game got canceled and then they beat utsa in the in the bull game so like they they didn't play like a murderers row it's not like they were playing the sec every week but they went 10 and 1 on the year they went 7-1 in their conference their only loss was that one to coastal carolina who like we said ended up being a much better team than anybody could have expected so like it's not like he went against terrible players but his spider chart is his spider chart is is something 99th percentile in his 20 yard split, 97th percentile, 40 yard dash at a four like running a four three five. Like you said, Mike, explosive. Like broad jump in the 94th percentile, Burt in the 83rd, just the kid was juiced up getting out of the blocks. And this is a guy that I'm seeing and saying also, real quick, 70% is his athletic comp to Tyler Irvin from 2016. So a <laughs> little bit of a comparison there. That's a guy that I'm like, that's the one you go add. I'm more of a fan of you're adding a guy that is different from what you already have. He is not like either one of your running backs. At 5'10 and a quarter and 201 pounds, he is a – he like he's not the biggest guy out there, but he's explosive and he's fast. He had a 70 – his three cone is in the 70 percentile. He can go out there and provide what Tyler Irvin left, like, left with. So that's why that player makes a lot more sense to me than either of Chuba Hubbard or Chris Evans that we've already talked about. I think that he makes a lot of sense for Green Bay.
0: I like that. and I guess if I want to screwed up on my uh, my high school stats compared to my college stats, I wouldn't have known that he had an injury, like I said, in college also, or excuse me, high school, freshman year, had a, 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 a broken bone in his foot. Some injury concerns I think are there, but like you said, Gage like he's just different. He's not like Chris Evans. He's not like Hubbard. He's not like anyone that's on the roster. And I think you can't teach speed. And being in that high percent high percentile is awesome. Um, and I appreciate you correcting me on the, the slander towards the raisin cajuns. Clearly played a quite the schedule, and um I, I
2: apologize to the entire Sunbelt conference. About time you owned up to those mistakes, Matt. Just <laughs> always I always. Would- I will not let Sunbelt Slander slide here. This, that is just... This is not that kind of, type of podcast, okay? We are not here to slander the Sunbelt Conference, or any other conference for that matter.
1: Right, one, but, more, but, one more guy before we get to some sleepers. Sorry, uh, but... Gage, I want to hear your thoughts on Trey Sermon. Kind of broke out late, but... Ohio State running backs... Usually pretty solid.
2: I, I don't want anything to do with him. It's nothing, against, it's nothing against him. I just... I don't want him. Uh... I think that he's going to be drafted sooner than he should. I think that he is a, I think that he's being overvalued because the running back class isn't super great. He's a, he's a 9.66 uh, on the Rad score. Like, so he's a good. So he's a good athlete. I just, I don't want him. I, I don't know what it is. There's just players that uh, they can be good, but I just call them not for me. And he's one of them. His 40 yard dashes in the 33rd percentile at a four, six, one, he only weighed 215 pounds. So that's, really really not good. If you're gonna only weigh two hundred fifteen pounds and still run a what was it did I say four five six? Four six? Four six one forty, that's that's bad. And like there's just there's no juice there. If you he's just he's a bigger he's supposed to be a bigger back. Like he plays like a tip prototypical just like kind of bowl you over type of guy. And I don't and Green I think Green Bay already has that guy in AJ Dillon. I would rather have AJ Dillon trying to bowl people over than have Trey Sermon do it. He's also 22, which is really like old, more like like I guess for a college running back. Like so, he's been he's bounced around for a while. So I'm gonna pass on him. If somebody else wants to take a swing at him, that is that's their prerogative. But uh, it's it's not for me. I agree. That's I that's one
0: player I've been pretty strong on avoiding. Um, I get a lot of you know Mike opened the question up with a lot of good running backs out of Ohio State. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of bad running backs too, or just ones that didn't live up to the hype. I see a lot of comparisons of Carlos Hyde. Very similar skill set to me. Very similar um, height and weight. I would say probably Sermon's a little bit more explosive, but overall, Sermon's a guy to me that just doesn't—he just doesn't do it. Um, It's—I don't know if it's maybe somewhat biased towards just not liking Ohio State, although I do respect a lot of the talent they've brought out in many, many years, and they're one of the powerhouses, but. I think, like you said, Gage, like he might get a little bit more, um, okay, get, get less value, uh, because he's going to be selected higher because just off that pedigree coming from the Buckeyes. Um, Sermon's not a guy I'm super high on at all. I'm interested since you and I are way off in the same area uh, against Sermon. I'm interested to see what Mike thinks on Trey.
1: No, I'm kind of with you guys. I, I, he broke out late, but then again, he got hurt late in the in the playoff. He's yeah. There's not a ton of juice. He's a he needs a lot of carries to get going, and that that's fine in the Big Ten when you're playing Maryland and Rutgers. That's not gonna fly when you're pl- when you're trying to run into Michael Pierce. So yeah, I, I I I don't I don't have him as a day one or two guy. I think I think there's value as a goal line back, as a guy who you if you want to bring in for special packages, but i think he's a he he will be a little overdrafted so yeah i'm I'm not a huge sermon guy uh did, are there any sleepers for you guys in this class who you think could
0: be hidden value on day three uh, gage needs to go i know he's got a list of sleepers go ahead Gage.
2: Uh, I, my list isn't that long jared okay. patterson's probably my top guy though um and it could just be that I was really excited watching the uh, the game where he scored, what was it, seven touchdowns, if I remember correctly, and he should have had even more, and then they pulled him for some odd reason. 5'9", 195, not, like, just good player. He's one of those guys that, like, he may not be the best athlete. He may not be the best this or the best that or the best doing any one thing. I just think he's a good football player. By the way, one last thing on Trey Sermon. This is a concerning thing. Ten-yard split, 94th percentile. Vertical jump, 80th percentile. Broad jump, 87th percentile. So explosive, right? 20-yard split was in the 36th percentile, and the 40-yard dash was in the 33rd percentile. So the dude just fell off hard. But Jared Patterson's a guy I really like out of Buffalo. Uh, he's just a do-it-all type of player. He really broke out this year, and he broke out as a junior. That's one thing that guys that come out of smaller schools – and I know Buffalo's not super small, but it's not it's not a bigger school by like, – at all and he didn't break out as a senior he broke out as a junior and I love seeing that I love seeing a guy break out before they hit that final year because I think that Jared Patterson if he had gone if he goes had gone back to school I think he could have put up an even better year I still don't think he would be drafted all that high he's like he's really compact because he's only 5'9 195 but I just I really like the player I like what I saw like when I watched him play and while I don't like I said, I don't have a super long list of sleepers, and his spider chart's not great. Like, 40-yard dash wasn't great. He's, brought, he's not explosive by any means. I think he's a guy that if you're drafting him on day three, though, he really can just fill out your room. And if you're not going to add a guy that's different like a Elijah Mitchell that we had talked about, then go then go draft Jared Patterson and just have him there in case you need him. Uh, one other guy. Where's the uh, – where, where's he at? Rem- is, who is the UCLA kid that I'm blanking on right
0: Ooh, now? Is
2: it Felton? Yeah, Demetrick yes. Felton, who might be yeah, a, slot, but, yeah. a slot guy. Yeah, he's listed as a receiver. That's the other guy. Like those are the mm-hmm. only two I really want to talk about. I'll let like I'll leave everybody else on the board for for you guys to discuss. But Felton out of UCLA and then uh like is the guy that I'm like, this is another one. Elijah Mitchell and Demetric Felton. Like Felton's listed as a wide receiver. He is a I'm gonna call him a weapon, and I think it's only a matter of time before we get the NFL to finally come up with a position designation like they did with edge how you had guys that were no longer defensive ends or outside linebackers they were edges I think that that's going to happen with guys like Dimitri Felton Tyler Irvin Um, I know people want to put Kyle Pitts in there this year he's not he's not tight end one he's not wide receiver one he's weapon one because he's just he's that good whatever Felton is a guy that he can do a little bit of everything he can play some stuff out of the backfield or he can go and play like he can run out of the slot I think that he is the next version of tyler irving he's five eight and a half and 189 pounds so he's not like a big guy at all in any stretch of the word but i think that he is a guy that can do a lot for your offense he's never going to be a feature piece for you but he is something that can make defensive coordinators have to pay a little bit more attention on game day because if they don't they're going to be left like great we just got beat by the random dude out of ucla that got drafted in the fifth round (laughs)
0: i love the uh i love the comparison of changing uh, the designations like the edge threat you know felton's a guy you get a lot of antonio gibson vibes a lot of lynn bowden vibes uh some uh samuel vibes kid out of uh uh, the niners forgetting the last name but like Debo samuel but like i would love to see felton in this offense it would be so much damn fun give him another weapon is the 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 term you used. I, I love when you have a player that can do many, many things for an offense or a defense. And I think um, Gudakuns and Lafleur value that as well. I'm going to, I have a couple names I want to rattle off here. I know we're getting a little long, but one name I'm looking at is, um, excuse me, uh, Kane Nawau. I think I pronounced that right. Probably not. Uh, dude out of Iowa State. Uh, he's got the highest RAS, which isn't You know, I value the RAS. That's not why I have him there. I have him because he's a versatile dude. He can return kicks. He can return punts. He's again, one of the fastest guys in this draft class. He was also in 2020 uh, the big 12 scholar athlete of the year. So he's a smart kid, um, which I think the Packers always value. They always value intelligence and football savviness a little bit, maybe over skill. Um, He's a guy that I think could contribute right away on special teams. Packers have lacked that. I've mentioned that a few times. We talked about that in our wide receiver breakdown. There's guys out there that they could possibly snag um, to fill that role. So he's one. One guy that we didn't really talk about at all, um, and I think I know why, is Khalil Herbert. Just uh, Herbert to me, like, I, I don't see anything that's that flashy when you look at the metrics at all. Um, I don't see him as really a, a value. I mean, maybe a value pick. Uh, so potentially a sleeper. I don't know how far he'll fall down draft boards. Um, but one, I'm gonna kind of give a little bump set bump set to uh, Mike, and I hope he spikes it. Where does Garrett Groshek get uh, drafted, Mike?
1: If it's not in the seventh round, it's not gonna be at all. Uh, okay. Don't get me wrong, I I love Garrett Groshek. I mean, he I I I know like I've met the guy. He, yeah. he he's from Amherst, which is about five minutes from where I live. I was actually in Amherst yesterday. Uh, but and get but high school quarterback, switch to running back. Everything you will hear about him scouting is he is a leader. He's a good third down guy. He can catch. He he's if he if something gives him a shot, he will be in the league for ten years. He will play eight snaps on offense. <laughs> he, he don't get me wrong. I, I he's he's he and he'll be productive on those eight snaps. But he is a guy who's going to play special teams forever, and he will do yeah. whatever it takes to stay in the NFL, make a team. If you're there, if the Packers are there, because I, I think they have miss irrelevant this year, or they're pretty close to it, sure. that pick could be a guy like Groshek to boost that special teams unit. He's a guy who's going to give everything he has. But he's not going to be a, a, a bell cow type running back. It's just that ne- he never was. He broke out late at Wisconsin, but he thought of coming back for what would I think would be a sixth year. Because he came in mm-hmm. with Tyler Biadasch, they were in the same recruiting class. Yep. Yep. So I the
2: Mister Irrelevant, by the way, is
0: Tampa. Yep. I just pulled that up too. The Packers have two fifty-six. Uh yeah. So close, but regardless, seventh yeah, round pick, seventh round pick, all day on uh, the boy out of uh, Amherst, Garrett Groshek.
2: Yep. It's Green Bay, Cleveland, Casey, and Tampa, because Cleveland got it from got a seventh from Buffalo for some trade. Oh, the, oh it, that's it's the Wyatt Teller deal. Okay. Buffalo traded a 7th, and Wyatt Teller to Cleveland in exchange for twenty twenty fifth and 6th round picks. And then Wyatt Teller went out and was a top, like, 3 guard last year. Not bad. Well done, Cleveland. Well done, Cleveland.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I, I like Groshek. If, if he's there in the 7th round you want to think about it, you want to make sure he doesn't... No other team takes him after, think about it. But uh, one last running back I want to bring up to you guys... And this is purely from an athletic standpoint. And that's Deion Jackson out of Duke. 4 4 2 one yard split. The, agi- the agility drills were not good. The show 3 cone were not good. But 5-10, 18 ACC running backs, again, who knows? But that's just, if you're taking a late day three flyer, there are definitely worse guys to look at than people who test crazy athletically.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Deion Jackson's a guy that, you know, it's so funny. We we started the show and we're talking about the you know the dynamic duo out of UNC, and now we're talking about another running back out of Duke. It's like these – we should be talking about shooting guards and point guards, not running backs. So
1: yeah, are, we, um, are
0: we doing the right sport? Exactly, exactly. So I – I Deion Jackson I saw in one game. I don't remember what it was. Um, He looked nice to me. I liked what he could do. Overall, I think, like you said, the speed's there, but just the the agility and maybe you know being a little more fluid, getting out of breaks is is somewhat of a concern. But a guy that's going to be able to contribute, um, I, I think there's possibly you know I'm looking at just some stuff over the over this last year. Fumbling was a concern. He had back or three weeks in a row where he fumbled um, in conference play. So. Overall, I think Deion Jackson could contribute. I just don't know if he's gonna, you know, fall in line with what the Packers are trying to do on offense. He could be a special teams guy. I think he's got some athleticism in him, but I, I'm not a huge fan of him. Um, but definitely someone to keep note of. Like you said, the, the the metrics are huge on on Jackson. I think he's still top ten on RAS with an 8.94. Still quality, still meets that threshold. Um, but what are you, any thoughts on uh, Deion Jackson? Gauge.
2: Uh well the, he he got the Rondale Moore treatment he was listed at six foot two twenty and he ended up only being five ten he uh classic got a couple of, you know what it makes sense they're a basketball school everybody knows you had two inches <laughs> of height at basketball schools that makes it makes a lot of sense uh yeah Deion Jackson's fine like he's like I said earlier this class isn't great especially if you look at it like compared to last year or like the twenty seventeen class this class isn't great Deion Jackson's a fine player I think that he could. He can provide a little bit of value on special teams and as a receiver out of the backfield because he's like he's not a flawless receiver, but I think he's got decent hands, especially for a guy that's 218 pounds. Very dense, five five 10, 218, eighteen. That is a that is a that is a dense human being, and it makes sense. He's got a good like good size. He's got good speed. He's not super agile, which again that's been my main thing throughout this process when looking for running backs that Green Bay could like get and or should could or should add. I want a guy that's agile. I want a guy that has—he's got some good agility and he's got good top-end speed. And I think that he has good top-end speed, but he doesn't necessarily have great agility. So, I understand the beggars can't be choosers. And at the end of the day, when you're on day three and you're just trying to draft a running back, just draft the most talented one. It doesn't matter about fit. Just find a guy that you think is talented and can fit in your in your like in your scheme and if or in your te- in your locker room. And if you think Deion Jackson's that guy, then there you go. More power to you. It's not the guy I would target on, mm-hmm. that day, on that day, but I think that there are definitely worse p- options that you can go with on day three.
1: Absolutely. And so as we wrap things up, we got one more podcast for the three of us next week. Leading into the draft, we'll be talking about some draft sleepers. Of course, check out the Packet Day podcast every single day, wherever you can find your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Check out Andy's work on our YouTube channel. It's been great as well. Of course, Andy and Ben will be back tomorrow taking on the quarterback class, which, Gage, you were freaking out if they take a running back early. They could take another quarterback on day one or two. That will be a very lively debate going forward as... (laughs) You look like you're about to punch something right now. But <laughs> the only
2: the only way it's acceptable to me to take quarterback early is if you trade Jordan Love and then you somehow get Trey Lance. That's the I reason. knew he was gonna. I knew he was gonna mention Trey Lance. That Trey, that Trey Lance is my dude. I like that is the guy I will die on a hill for. I love him. I think that he is an extremely talented quarterback. I just Ross Uglum is the same way. I like. I know Ross is a huge bias Trey, Trey Lance guy, but yeah, he's biased. I just love Trey Lance. If you trade Jordan Love, which I'm not saying they need to do, but if you trade Jordan Love and then you get Trey Lance, sure, okay. But then again, that's all bias just because I love Trey Lance the player. So that is the only way I'd be okay with them taking a quarterback anytime before the seventh round. And at the seventh round, it just needs to be Felipe Franks.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. So anyway, that's a discussion for for tomorrow's group. So as we wrap things up, Matt, what are you working on? Where can people find
0: you? Well, I just got to say, I don't know if I've, I'm sure everyone's been talking about this, but we will be on our thousands episode on Tuesday, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, You guys have been a part of most of this history, if not all of it. So it's been just incredible. Um, Everyone that's listened, contributed a pack a day. Very, very cool. A little surprise coming for on Tuesday. So watch out for that. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel, um, comment, review, share with your friends. This is the time of the year where, you know, where a hot takes are a plenty, and sometimes we hit them right, and sometimes we hit them wrong. So stay in tune for that. Uh, you can find also my work on Game on Wisconsin, part of that squad over there, which has been an absolute blast, putting out consistent content. We will have a draft day prediction, um, so watch for that coming. I think we're going to do a little giveaway action with that. But the content over there is plenty. If you're not following Game on Wisconsin on all of our social channels, you're missing out. Um, so please do so as well. But other than that, I'm getting geared up for the draft. Less than two weeks. I'm super excited. Um, Ready, looking ahead to what my personal c- calendar is and trying to find some time to sit and just uh, veg out and get nerdy with uh, seven seven rounds. Uh, Gage, what do you got going on, man?
2: My workload has gotten a lot less uh, over the last couple of weeks. I, I'm just not working on nearly as much as I was just because the the majority of my draft content is mostly done in terms of like the intense, like the like I was doing draft profiles probably like three to four times a week for a few different places. Uh, I've kind of gotten done with that now. The Cheesehead TV draft guide is, I believe, out now and you can go order that or you can uh so, so go do that. Um, I got a little bit of work in there. Um, right now, I just got work for Denver Stiffs and for covering the Denver Nuggets, which obviously that's a big issue with Jamal Murray going down this week and then the playoffs getting ready to start. So that's that's something to watch, but Denver went out and blasted the heat and rockets that in like two day or in three nights. So that was great. Uh, but I'm doing stuff for them. I'm doing Dynasty Nerds, Rotoballer and a few other places. As always though, all of my work's on my Twitter. It's just the easiest to tell you to go find it all there because if I tell you to go to all different websites I write to, you're gonna have, your computer's gonna explode with the amount of tabs you'll have open. <laughs>
1: Fair enough, and you can find me on Twitter at Mike month all one word. Uh, a lot of my work is broadcasting-wise, so you can find me on ZaleskiSports.com. A lot of high school sports in the area. Of course, this weird spring season has been a lot of fun. I did uh, Stevens Point football last night, which is, which is a blast. Uh, soccer, swimming, baseball, and softball sh- 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 uh, coming up soon. So you can check out all my work there. I'm doing multiple games uh, next week throughout that. And other than that, just you can just find us on social media. Find us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast as a group. Again, go to your favorite podcast platforms and our YouTube channel. Let us know how you're doing. And as Matt said, 1,000th episode coming up, and we got to thank all you guys for listening to us and letting us do this for all these days. It's been an incredible journey so far. 1,000 episodes, hopefully another 1,000 coming up as well. It's been an absolute blast and enjoy. So for all of us here at the Packaday Day Podcast, for Matt Freilich, for Gage Bridger, this is Mike Wendland. saying so long, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, stay warm, stay safe. Always carry the G. And Go Pack Go!